you can't say this stuff enough. You've got to go back and constantly re-educate, even at the top of the chain. Welcome back to the Facts About Packs podcast. Michaela Isler here with David Schild and Adam Belmar for another special episode we call Sweet Talk. Today, we continue our stroll through the corner offices with another dramatic imagination of the types of interactions PAC directors have with the senior leadership of their organizations. Senior leadership, Dave and Adam, and their buy-in and sponsorship of your PAC program we know is so critical to success. So this week, we take a peek inside the role of the CCO or Chief Communications Officer. Mikhail, I'm so glad we're tackling this topic today. I was so fortunate in my career to wear both a PAC management hat and a communications hat at one point. And I think you and I have talked about this before. If you are in the political advocacy space, if you're in the political management space, if you're running a political action committee, communication is at the heart of what you do. And probably if you're in a large organization, there is a Chief Communications Officer, an SVP of comms. Maybe they call them the head of marketing. Somebody at the top of the ladder who manages communications writ large, they can be a partner for you, but they're also somebody who has to be educated about what the PAC does and does not do. Yeah, Dave, I mean, we've spent so much time here at NAPAC just really honing in on strategic communications as it relates to your PAC programs. It's really the centerpiece of all that you do, knowing who your audience is, which messenger is going to be the appropriate messenger for those key audiences, understanding the rules of the road and making sure that what you're saying and to whom you're saying is all in line with the federal election guidelines and requirements. And so, as I always say on these shows, is you almost have to take several steps back before you even begin to communicate and make sure that the CCO or someone similar in the organization is well-versed, well-briefed on the roadmap to all the compliance that they need to be aware of. Yeah, we talk about this a lot on this podcast, Michaela, and having an ally in your chief communications officer is remarkably beneficial to everything that you're doing. The Facts About PACs podcast is produced especially for the members of the National Association of Business Political Action Committees. In every episode, we recap this week's NAPAC activities, share actionable intelligence and best practices, all while connecting the PAC community. Okay, thanks, Adam. Is everybody ready? Imagine, if you will, a new email from your CCO. If it were a baseball pitch, it would be a splitter. The CEO mentioned during our senior leadership meeting that our PAC campaign is starting soon, and she's a big supporter. To get the word out, we've prepared a blog post for the company intranet that really lays out why the PAC is so important. When should we post it? Oh, I I love this email because someone is uh, paving the road to a meeting with the Fair Election Commission with the best of intentions, right? We love help when we're running a PAC. We love assistance. We love getting the word out. But of course, the red flag here for anybody should be the use of the company-wide intranet, the use of a broad communication. It's the nature of communications officers that they want to reach the largest audience possible. They want to put the most eyeballs they can on communication. So, hey, we've got a company intranet. We've got a log that reaches everybody in the company. Well, Who's in the restricted class? Probably that's not a thought that's going through anyone's head except the PAC director, but the communication back has to be a polite, be aware we're only allowed to speak with the following individuals about the PAC. And so I don't think we're going to be able to use this large megaphone as you suggest. I'm going to sound like a broken record, but I think to even avoid getting to this point, which obviously this is going to happen and these emails are going to come up, but 
as the PAC director, before you engage in any PAC solicitation, you really need to be sitting down with the C-suite, the executives, and laying out the rules and the why, not just to say, no, we can't do this, but explaining exactly why, what the parameters are, what the Federal Election Commission guidelines are, so that you can almost avoid this question altogether. Because and when you're sitting in that seat, Dave, it's the worst feeling in the world when someone from the C-suite or the executive calls you and, and you have to say no. We all want to try to find a way, as we said in previous episodes, to get to yes, but we've got to do it within what's legally permissible. You're spot on. And you know, you're in sort of the sales mentality right? When you are running a pack and you are inclined to reach the most number of people as possible, you are inclined to take assistance whenever it's offered. And again, everyone here is operating with the best of intentions. I don't expect anybody in an organization and you shouldn't expect anybody in your organization to understand these rules. Maybe your general counsel's office, maybe your immediate boss in government relations, but that's probably the circle of trust that knows who we can and can't talk to. So you're absolutely right. The education piece, the, the sort of um, preloading of getting in there and saying, hey, I'm the PAC director. Here are some of the rules of the road that you need to know about. You know, it staves off maybe some of the disappointment that might follow this communication. And Dave, I think I just would take an opportunity to plug one of our big resources here is we have a whole FAQ on sort of do's and don'ts in communications, solicitations, and your fundraising. It doesn't have to be a long and involved thesis. <laughs> I mean, it can just be sort of here are a couple, you know, scenarios that you may face. Here are some do's and don'ts on how to move forward. And and I think it's not a one and done. I've found you can't say this stuff enough. You've got to go back and constantly re-educate, even at the top of the chain. Okay, here comes the fastball. Imagine, if you will, the vibration of your phone. A new email from your CCO. We're getting some inquiries from the media about our PAC contributions. Did you know that some of the candidates we support are speaking out on issues like gay marriage and abortion? That's not the kind of publicity we need. The PAC needs to reconsider its contributions so we are not subject to negative press coverage. Oh, this one, I'm, I'm having flashbacks already. And boy, you know, Michaela, you've shepherded NABPAC through some pretty rough waters over the last several years. And boy, PAC contributions have been scrutinized maybe like never before, uh, you know, in 2020, 2021 and, and so forth. And this is the reality today. You can expect people in the media to take the activities of your corporate or trade association political action committee, look at the contributions that are made, tie somehow to the policy positions of those candidates, and then say, well, if you give to this person, then you believe in everything that they say or do. And of course, that's not the criteria that go into a responsible PAC contribution strategy. But boy, oh boy, when that reporter is on the phone saying, I'm here with a picture of so-and-so engaging in, you know, wild controversial activity or making perhaps inappropriate statement, and I see that you wrote them a check, that's a tough moment, right? And again, putting myself in the position of a chief communications officer, we want good publicity. We want the narrative to be around the products, the services, the values of the company, and not perhaps dragged into this controversial lane that is politics. But I think it's just unavoidable in the modern era. And I'm, I'm guessing you're going to agree with me. This comes back to education. Yeah, this is a reality and it is a risk. 
this space is inherently risky. And, you know, I think going into this, knowing that every contribution that you make and we know is all publicly available, uh, anyone can go to the Federal Election Commission or Open Secrets and search for who your PAC is giving to. So you need to be prepared for the potential for questions to be asked for the press to inquire. And I think it goes back to your governance of your PAC. We've also, Dave, you and I've talked a lot about this, making sure that your PAC board is aware that Anytime we make a contribution, this is subject to potential scrutiny. And we need to make sure that we have strong governance. We have strong contribution criteria. We have a diversified PAC board. We have representatives from every entity within the organization, every business unit. Uh, I think all of those voices need to be around the table when you're deciding on who you're going to be contributing to. And understanding that with each of those contributions, there could be some, some pushback and questions. And you as an organization need to be prepared for that and decide how you're going to move forward collectively and making sure that everybody's on the same page before those questions start to come in. I think this is a lot about, you know, keeping the batteries in the smoke detector. And by that, I mean, you should be watching what's going on with the candidates you support. I remember I had Google News Alerts set up for certain people on our contribution list. I was constantly reading the political trades. Borrow a phrase from Wayne Gretzky, right? You need to skate to where the puck is going to be. You need to stay ahead of where your candidates are going. I want to be the one to tell the senior leadership, hey, there's some controversy around this candidate that we give to. Hey, I think we can expect some press inquiries. Hey, some of the campaign finance focused trades are starting to you know, look at our contributions and report on them. You can expect Politico or Axios to punch bowl to call afterwards. And, and there's a second part of this, right, in terms of getting ahead and prep. And that is, what is the holding statement? What is the talking set of talking points that need to be ready for your spokesperson? Don't ever, because this is what you know the communications team wants to do. It's either a no comment or here's what we're going to reply with. If the second option is what you're going with, you should be a part of that conversation. You are you should be at the table when they say, well, our spokesperson's going to answer this inquiry. Okay, let me sketch out for you what a responsible statement about political involvement looks like. And NABPAC can be very helpful on this front. You can look to some of the organizations that I think are best in class here. But it shouldn't just be the opinion of whoever is being interviewed or the company spokesperson. There should be some thought put into how are we going to address this? What statement works for this controversy and every controversy to follow? Yeah, we we like to say, you know, there isn't some unicorn perfect candidate out there that you're going to align with 100% of the time on every single issue. That's why it's so critical. You have that contribution criteria. You're having honest discussions around the table. You've got the right voices around the table when you're analyzing which candidates you're going to support and the reasons why. And so there may be a very strong reason to not support a candidate based on rhetoric, things they're saying, tweets, whatever. And, and that's where you as the PAC director really have to be monitoring and be aware of what's going on, not just on the Hill, but out in the media too. Okay, let's give you a look at the curveball. Imagine, if you will, the late afternoon arrival of this communication from your CCO. I've been looking at the remarks you drafted for this CEO when she speaks at the upcoming PAC Gold Member Reception. I think it's important to highlight the benefits of PAC membership, and so I was wondering if you had some examples of bills that have been passed or key votes that our PAC dollars made possible. Email me some examples I can incorporate, please. So, I think this is pretty rare that this would happen, but... I think it's a natural question for folks that haven't been in the political world or understand sort of how things operate in Washington. But I know I've said this a thousand times, but this is, again, one of those, you know, sort of go back to the drawing board before you would ever get a question like this. 
you know, the PAC is not tied, as we know, to any sort of legislation. There's no quid pro quo. I mean, I think you have to be just that direct and blatant about it. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, again, I think everyone is coming from a place of good intentions here, right? People want to show value. They want to make a connection between effort and result. But this is simply not the way that PACs operate. We don't imply quid pro quos and candidly, quid pro quos don't occur. So what we want to avoid here, again, is someone walking down a road that puts the pack or the leadership or the company itself in peril because all they're trying to do is connect with their audience. Michaela is absolutely right. If you lay a foundation about what the mission of the organization is and how it truly operates, probably won't get this email in the first place, but it's good to be ready just in case. Dave, I think what we both are essentially saying is that PACs are about electing candidates to office, period. Okay, David, I'm liking this baseball metaphor we have going. So here is one more, the home run ball. I saw the first edits of the new PAC solicitation video. I want to offer my help. We have a great internal media team that can really help with the production values and make PAC content really shine. I'll connect you with our team. You know, on this show, we talk a lot about challenges and navigating rough waters, but this is a home run. If someone offers to help you run the pack more efficiently using their tools of the trade, the answer is yes. The answer is yes. You know, your organization is absolutely allowed to contribute to the overhead and administrative costs of the pack, making a video, designing a trifold brochure, printing umbrellas, all of these things, right, that could fall under communications, marketing. They are absolutely entitled to help you. And if somebody who is much better at the tools of the trade, at the craft of communications comes in and says, let's polish this thing, let's make it shine. The answer is yes, please. Thank you. And I would be willing to bet that most of them will regret even offering because if I was the one (laughs) receiving that offer, I would turn around with a laundry list of ways that they could help me as a one woman operation. Oftentimes, you didn't really know where to turn. I didn't necessarily, at least in the beginning, have a budget to go out and contract out. A lot of times the internal folks you know, didn't really understand what we were doing. So if someone came in and offered this kind of help, uh, I absolutely would jump on it. Obviously, again, it's an opportunity to go in and say, look, here, one, great that you can help me. Here's some sort of parameters we have to operate within. But if you've got a creative team, a designer, a really strong writer, they know the audience, they know the eligible class. Oh, my gosh, this would be just uh, prayers answered for sure. And scene. Well done, everybody. I was feeling it. I had my CCO (laughs) voice on. I'm not sure I fully believe myself as a CCO either, but, you know, we're trying here. I think you're quite the CCO, Adam. So Yeah, uh, seriously. (laughs) This was a fun show. I think this goes back to, you know, all the things we talk about, but uh, being prepared, being ready, but also accepting the help when offered. Right, Dave? Yeah. Look, I uh, if you've ever seen me design a, a website or try to put a microphone on somebody, you know, I need a lot of communications help from professionals. I would like to think people out there are eager to have the relationships with the people in the C-suite that are productive, that have a healthy back and forth. And if you're leading, if you're getting out in front, you probably already have those. And maybe today's the day that you wake up and realize, you know what, it's time for me to go buy a cup of coffee for that senior leader because I don't have that relationship right now, but I know it's going to pay off. Well, I can't wait to see what our next Sweet Talk episode is going to look like, but I think we're on a roll here. So yes, special thanks to you, David Schild, uh, as always, for being back with us again today. Very happy to be here. I know it's summer. White claws, bikinis, packed podcasts. <laughs> it's the best time of the year. And baseball games. All right. Thanks to everyone downloading and sharing this podcast. Subscribe and meet us right back here next week.